Hi, welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, president and CEO of Pedowitz Group. Today, as our guest, we have Tim Parkin, who is the chief proprietor of the Parkin Consulting Group. Tim, welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. I am too. Uh, first and foremost, in a lot of ways, you're, you're like me. You started in software engineering, and uh, I'm just fascinated. How did the switch go off? How did you decide to go from writing code to working in marketing? It's a weird and strange journey, Jeff. And you know, I miss writing code. I loved, I loved all of it. But as a young child, I was into magic. Actually, you know, card tricks and things like that. And I was in a magic club, um, and so I thought I wanted to be a professional magician. Um, but when I realized that professional magicians work nights and weekends, that's when all the dinners and parties are, I quickly got out of that. And that got me into coding. And so I was always into code as a kid. And so I did software development for many, many years, you know, for startups, for large companies, um, for military simulation. Uh, I have a degree in game design development. I thought I'd go into the game industry. Then I realized that the game industry, you work 80 hours a week. <laughs> that's not for me. So I, I should do more research before I choose careers. Um, but basically, both of those things combined, magic and software, and I realized the companies I was writing code for didn't have a software problem. They didn't have a technology problem. They weren't able to reach customers and communicate in the right way. They had a marketing problem. And applying the technology, which is now synonymous with marketing, and you can't have marketing without technology today, and on top of that, combining that with my passion and my experience in magic, which is behavioral psychology and people and how they think and act, uh, that was a perfect marriage, and that got me into marketing. I said, this is, I think, my calling. You know, I really enjoy it. I love it, and it's always changing and so dynamic and always a new challenge, which is exactly what I was looking for. But what I found even more interesting about your career, so you didn't even transition as an, you know, on the job from coding to marketing. You just you were a coder one day, and then the next day you just opened up your shop and you started helping people with marketing. Uh, what gave you the courage to go out on your own? I've always been pretty ambitious, so I'll say that. Uh, but I realized I had a lot of experience in marketing from the companies I was helping. I wasn't just doing software for them. I was also kind of helping on the marketing side a little bit. And I was always interested in it. So on the side, I'd always be learning and tinkering and exploring. I've had a ton of side projects and side hustles and things of the like. And so I felt really comfortable with that. I see the problem these companies have. And I know I can help them. And they just need a little bit of help. And so I started working with startups you know, right away. And then from there, just grew and referrals and business and now. Basically, all my clients are large, enterprise, global, multinational companies. Fantastic. So I know one of the topics we were discussing uh, for this podcast, and which will be probably the balance of our time today, is something that's actually probably pretty controversial, forgetting about your customers and marketing from the inside out. Tell us a little bit more about why you feel that way. Yeah, well, Jeff, I know you feel the same way in some aspect that there's a lot of buzzwords about customer centricity and you have to put the customer at the center and focus on the customer, but no one actually does it, right? And that's the big problem is we can talk about it all day long, but unless we do something about it, it doesn't matter. And a lot of companies want to just talk about it, but not do it. And I think from what I've found, the reason is they don't know how to, and they don't have the skills to or the process to. And so I've realized in all the companies I've worked with that their biggest problem, the, the big thing holding back their performance is that they're not, they don't have the skills, they don't have the experience, they don't have the process to drive performance. And so what I've found is that the formula, if you will, for performance is people times process equals performance. And they want to, they have the best intentions of serving their customers and driving results and getting growth and all that, but they don't have the right people or their people don't have the right skills and they don't have the right process. 
And that's what I mean when I talk about inside out is you want to reach outside to your customers. You want to serve them and create a great experience and get them to you know, do business with you. But you can't do that until you focus inside and get the right people with the right skills, with the right process. And I liken this to taking a cross-country trip in a car. You know, you have to make sure you have a good car that's been well-maintained. You have to have enough gas in the tank. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck. And this is where a lot of companies end up is stuck on the side of the road, not sure what to do next because they didn't focus inside first. So I guess this is a little akin to what Jim Collins in Good to Great where he talks about being on the bus or maybe being on the bus but in the wrong seat. So when you talk about the right people, what do you mean? You know, because like, a lot of companies would say, well, we have great people. I mean, we, you know, we have really smart people. So what, what, do you, what do you mean? One of the most common questions I'm asked by my clients, uh, CMOs, executives, is how would you rate our people on a scale of one to 10? And I often refuse to answer the question because the number's a lot lower than they think. A lot of people think they have great people and people are, are great. But in terms of having the right skills and having the right passion, having the right attitude and being able to collaborate with others, that's a huge gap. And unbeknownst to most executives, there are toxic people on your team. And you may not see that toxic behavior. You may not know that they're missing the skills, but your teammates do, the people on the team. And so you have to diagnose your teams on a regular basis. You have to find those people and up-level them. I say improve or remove. You have to up-level them, give them the skills they need, or you have to get rid of them. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that they're not a good fit. And if you leave these people, if you don't raise up their skills, that's lost opportunity costs. That's wasted time and effort and budget. So this is a really important issue. People is a big part of marketing. And I think the marketing industry as a whole neglects that. Yeah, I think a lot of executives struggle with toxic employees because a lot of times the toxic employees are your top performers. Exactly. And and and, and you're and they could be two or three times as productive as many other employees. And you're like, but but they're so good. But yet, but you don't realize the damage that they're doing. Uh, to, to Absolutely. The the it's so true. And they've been there often the longest. So they have tenure and you want to protect them. And you think, well, they know better than these new people who are joining the team. Absolutely. You're 100 percent spot on. So in terms of skill, what are some of the gaps you typically see? You'd be surprised. You know, a lot of people don't have basic fundamental marketing skills. For one of my clients, we created a digital marketing university, uh, which, you know, was designed for the digital team and the brand team to just, you know, learn more about how marketing works and the different aspects and what to be thinking about. But then we found that, you know, the sales team, customer service, everyone basically joined in to participate, which was wonderful to see. And now they have a shared language that in meetings, in hallways, they can have a conversation and, you know, talk on the same page about what's going on. So it's been really effective. So just the fundamentals, even a lot of people are missing or they're so siloed, <clears throat> excuse me, they're so siloed in the fact that they, you know, I know email marketing, but I don't understand PPC. And you really have to have a holistic view. You know, a lot of people talk about T-shaped marketers. I think that's fair and fine. However, you need to have a broad perspective, you know, uh, of everything and, and understand marketing fundamentally. And a lot of younger people today coming into marketing are missing the traditional view of marketing. They only think digital. And that's a limiting uh, viewpoint, a limiting perspective. That's a good point. I, what, I'm still finding though that the vast majority of colleges are teaching the same marketing curriculum as when I went to school. And that was, well, I'm not going to date myself here. That was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, and, and so they're, they're still not learning the skills. And you're right. A lot of times people that have marketing, maybe they came over from the technology side, sometimes they come over from sales. Um, and there's a lot of aspects to marketing, as you know, and it's not just learning the technology. Um, it's learning about brand and storytelling and yes. creating connection. 
Um, and keeping up with it too, right? Because it's changing, you know, on a daily basis. And so it's not good enough to say, oh, I've learned this and I know it and I have the experience, but it's constantly changing, you know, cookies and attribution and, you know, yeah, all sorts of things are constantly changing, Pla new platforms, new uh, tools. So you have to stay on top of it. This is why you have to give your team the training and support they need. Yeah, one gap I also see is, but in theory, in marketing, we're supposed to be serving the customer. We do these buying journey and, and provide all these campaigns, but our approach is often not very customer centric. It's, it's really about what cute buzzword can I come up with? I have to come up with more, you know, marketing lingo and buzz to talk about my stuff. Uh, I actually have found a lot of marketing people to not have customer centricity as a core skill set. That doesn't mean that they don't care about the customer, of course. I mean, I think they, they do, but I just, they, they tend to be more interior oriented. Do you find the same thing? Absolutely. You're 100% you're right there that, you know, you look at the marketing, uh, the campaign copy and messaging, and you think, what are you even trying to say here? <laughs> I, I can't even decipher it. And I have an advantage being a consultant that I come in from the outside and I see, you know, a wide range of industries and campaigns. And so I can look at a client's campaign and say, I don't understand this. And guess what? If I don't understand it, the customer has no chance of understanding this. Uh, but you're right about people. And one of the things I tell my clients is the best people to have on your team are customers. You, know, you should hire your customers. And one of my clients, for example, is a large pet company and all of the employees basically have pets. So they are their own customers. And I like to say this pun, forgive me, but they eat their own dog food. And so they have actual customers you know, working for them. So we, when they launch a campaign or create a product, they can test it themselves because they are the customers. And that's a huge advantage to have. But I really believe that influencers, which is another buzzword that's been thrown around forever, but people who can influence their own communities and sphere of influence are extremely valuable for companies to partner with. But more so, I think we're going to see more and more that companies start acquiring and hiring influencers because they have the, the latest skills, they have the right messaging, they're able to influence and move people to action much better than the, the marketing teams that companies can. And so I think that soon you're going to see, and we've already seen it in some spheres, that influencers just become the marketing team of companies and have some you know, uh, autonomy to themselves. But they're the people who, who understand how to be customer centric because they are. They're in the middle of it. So basically what you're saying is we should all contract with the Kardashians. Hey, <laughs> if it works, it works. They can move product, can't they? They absolutely can. Them and Oprah. So yeah, <laughs> That's just, right, uh, yes. Just um, so let's talk it. about the, the times part. So we covered people. Let's talk a little bit more about process. So what are some of the process deficiencies you typically see in companies and what's keeping them back from scaling? All of them. Uh, most marketing teams I work with have no process whatsoever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Have any process and you'll be better than most marketing teams. Yeah. And a lot of marketing teams try to overcomplicate their processes too. They think that it has to be this, this engine, this machine that, you know, with all these different facets, it's not so simpler is better, especially when you have more people on a team. You know, some of my clients have a team of five people and some of them have a team of 100 people on the marketing side. So it can get quite complicated. And every person has this network effect that it gets more uh, complicated. You know, there's multiplication there. So you need to have a process. That's step one. And it needs to be simple and repeatable. But more so, it needs to be documented. It needs to be shared with the team. If you have a process but no one can communicate it or no one understands it, it's not going to work. And so this really is as simple as breaking down where does responsibility lie on the team, who does what. And then once we know who does what, the question becomes how, how do they do that and who's involved and when, and what are the checks and balances in place? 
So we like to use SOPs, standard operating procedures, to create these things. A RACI matrix, uh, responsibilities, uh, assignment matrix, basically. And then uh, with that, we like to create OLAs, operational level agreements. They're just like SLAs, but they say, you know, you'll get this done uh, in this time frame, in this way, et cetera. So once you establish those, a process is really about expectations and accountability and transparency. If you have those three things, you'll have really well-running, smooth processes. Well, I, I find a lot of times when, I, when we talk to marketing executives, well, we have that process, we have that covered. We, we do lead management, we do campaign management, we do data management. No, you don't. You're like, you know, you, you might think that you do, but you're not. Right. So do you uh, and end up showing people, no, this is what I mean by a process. Do you, do you have it like this, a standard operating procedure? Do you have roles assigned? Um, that, that probably starts to plug, punch some holes, I guess, in there. Absolutely. Yeah, it helps create the process while we're showing them what they're missing. Uh, and once they see it, you know, the light bulb clicks and they realize, I get it now. Things could be a lot easier and simpler and less confusion because there's just so much waste, as you know, in marketing teams, in how we run our marketing. And again, this is why I think Inside Out is so important today more than ever before, especially as more uh, companies are in-housing their marketing teams and not working with agencies. They don't have the skills or the process to in-house that. They just think it's just like any other function. We just hire people and they're going to do marketing, you know, and they'll figure it out. And marketing also is inundated with requests and demands. And so we're constantly just trying to you know, serve those masters and deliver on what we're asked rather than having a real process to take things in and methodically you know, triage them, prioritize them, process them and deliver. And then finally, the, the last part of the process that's often missing is the analysis stage, you know, the reflective stage. What did we accomplish? How did it go? What can we learn for next time? And let's actually document that. And so a lot of my clients have helped them with optimization, developing an optimization program as part of that process. And they're often missing that huge step that you, know, you do marketing, but then you just start over and do more marketing without thinking about what did we actually do? Was it effective at all? And what can we do better next time? And that's a huge gap that's missing from a process perspective in almost every company I work with. Yeah, it should almost be like, uh, you know, watch the medical shows and they always do the postpartums. If somebody dies or whatever, they're constantly analyzing the, the procedure. Uh, and I think a lot of times in marketing, we're just on to the next campaign, on to the next campaign, yep. on to the next Always. Because we drive leads, we have to drive leads. And um, are we slowing down long enough to assess and analyze what we've already done? So it's, uh, I think we're worried the world's going to stop if somehow we don't get the next campaign out the door. It's true. You know, I like to think of it, you've ever tripped and you can't catch yourself and you're falling forward. That's most marketing teams. You know, we're just constantly falling forward into the next campaign, like you said, and we can never just catch our balance and say, let's pause for a moment and look at the direction we're going, you know, and not just keep tumbling forward. It's it's a mess for sure. So do you think um, marketing is generally spending too much on technology, just enough, or now they could spend even more? That's a loaded question. You're going to get me in trouble here with this one. <laughs> I, I think too much. I think a lot of marketers rely too heavily on tools. This goes back to skills. You know, well, the SEO tool will tell me what to optimize. Well, you have a brain, too. You can use that to figure out what to optimize, you know? Well, it's going to, the headline calculator will tell me if my headline is good. Well, did you test it with real people down the hall? Because they're much more accurate than, you know, some calculator online. So I think that we spend too much time with tools, but also the investment of tools for what they deliver marketing marketers in general don't have a really good way to measure that ROI. We think about the ROI of our marketing and our budgets and the results, but we don't really think about the ROI of the tools we're investing in, uh, at least not often enough. And so I think there's a lot of tools that have big promises and big sales teams behind them. 
and we you know, invest in those and they often don't deliver. Now, certainly you need some fundamental tools. I'm not saying get rid of all your tools, but you need a HubSpot, you need a Salesforce, you know, I'm not gonna disagree with that. But I think often we rely too much on tools and particularly now there's a lot of talk about AI. And in my game design background, you know, I've worked in AI a little bit and I think it's overhyped. I think there's a lot of purposes for big data, but you know, for most companies, for most marketing teams, I think AI is not what it's uh, talked up to be. Fair enough. Yeah, it all gets down to basics when it's all said and done, right? Always. All right. So we forget about our customers for a minute. We go from the inside out. Then we all have better customer experiences to be able to scale. So, Tim, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, great insights. And if our guests want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. LinkedIn is always a great place to find me, Tim Parkin, or my website, www.timparkin.com. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Jeff.